postpartum body odor. It is a totally natural phenomenon because your body chemistry changes after giving birth. And so sometimes that means that what worked before is no longer effective. But I am excited to say that now there is a solution for that stubborn odor. The Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is a completely natural deodorant made by a postpartum mom who went through it herself. And it works by eliminating and preventing bacterial body odor without covering up your skin's comforting smell to your baby while giving you 12 hours of odor control. And let me tell you, it actually works. Here at the house, we've all been trying it and loving it. Now, before you think, ew, you're sharing a deodorant with your husband and daughter, let me explain that this full-body deodorant comes in a convenient pump applicator that lets you apply it anywhere on your body with no bacteria traveling on the deodorant, so no ew involved. We also love that the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant has a delightful natural scent of USDA certified organic extracts that smell like a pink sugar cookie with lemon frosting. I thought this would be a little strange, but it's actually amazing. Also, the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is free from artificial fragrances and any kind of senoestrogens or herbs that can interfere with breastfeeding. Find your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant at postpartumdeodorant.com. That's postpartumdeodorant.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off through the month of May. Get your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant now at postpartumdeodorant.com and start smelling more like yourself again. I love Jenny Kane. At this very moment, I'm feeling so comfy and cozy as I'm practically getting a hug from my Jenny Kane crop cashmere cocoon cardigan. I am enjoying this sweater so much that I've been living in it all spring long. And with Mother's Day just around the corner, this is a feeling you can gift all the well-deserving moms, moms-to-be, and mother figures in your life by giving them the gift of Jenny Kane. Along with bringing you this episode, Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed so super easy. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. Jenny Kane means luxurious cashmere sweaters, iconic accessories, elevated versions of your everyday basics, plus the most incredible home essentials. For a limited time, Birthful listeners get 15% off their first order. Go to JennyKane.com and use the code BIRTHFUL15 to get 15% off and support the show. Jenny Kane is known for their quintessential sweaters, with their cotton collection providing you with the perfect everyday pieces as the days get warmer. But they also have gorgeous sundresses in a variety of silhouettes for any occasion and spectacular sandals to go along with them. Find the perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring go-tos at JennyKane.com. Birthful listeners get 15% off your first order when you use the code BIRTHFUL15 at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E dot com, promo code BIRTHFUL15. Get yourself and the mothers in your life the gift of Jenny Kane. 
Hey, Mighty One. With nearly 300 Breathful episodes in over five years, it may be hard to know where to begin listening to the show. To make it easier, we've put together the Best of Birthful series, which showcases some of our favorite or most relevant episodes. This is one of those. If you enjoy what you hear, make sure you subscribe. It's free, and that way you won't miss a thing. Enjoy. Hello, Mighty Parents and Parents-to-be. Thank you, as always, for all the love you give the show and your feedback, requests, ratings, reviews, and just your general support. All right, the episode for today is with Sophie McEntee, and we're going to be talking about the enormous transformation that happens during the, during the identity shift of becoming a primary parent or mom. Let's get right to it. Sophie, welcome. Thank you, Adriana. It's wonderful to be here. Oh, so exciting. Now, tell us a little, we're going to be talking about the identity shift or that identity crisis of becoming a parent. But why don't, before we get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm a practicing psychotherapist and a mom of a six-year-old daughter, and I co-founded a podcast and online resource for mothers called Honest Mamas. And I'm very passionate about the topic of mothering and specifically really interested in supporting moms on the motherhood journey, um, you know, their well-being, their psychological health, and their spiritual growth as well. So let's talk about what what is that about? What shifts in our identity when we become parents? I mean, you know, what shifts in our identity when, when we become parents or moms, it's like everything shifts. You know, that's the short answer. Everything really does shift. Um, who we understand ourselves to be, uh, this question of who I'm, who am I now? You know, um, the qualities that make us up as people, I mean, that's our identity, right? And, and when we have a baby, it just really resets that identity. Everything changes. You know, it's sort of like an existential, spiritual, psychological crisis happening all at once. And we can't really tend to it. Because, you know, when we become new parents, most of us know is that, you know, we hit the ground running. So the time we had to cultivate other parts of our identity and, and, and who we were before baby, I mean, that that time and energy is no longer there initially. Um, so it, you know, when those pieces of ourselves aren't being practices practiced, and we're not um, living that life we had before baby arrives, we really start to wonder like, well, who, who am I? So, mm -hmm. you know, an identity is also a role that's constantly fluid and changing, um, especially in relationship to our children. So, you know, yeah. it's, it, it's, it's, it's ongoing. It's, it's always shifting that identity as, as a mom or a parent. Absolutely. And from my perspective as a doula, I've always had this notion, and I tell everybody who will listen, that <laughs> birth has to be such an intense, you know, tectonic shifting event yeah. because you need a physical representation of mm. that change that is occurring inside you. I really hate when people go like, oh, after you have a baby, ever, nothing will ever be the same. Well, mm -hmm. what does that nothing will ever be the same mean? Like <laughs> Physically, I mean, there's the obvious physical transformation. It's a radical transformation. I mean, we're, we're passing life through our bodies and, and everything physically that changes in us in order to do that. Um, and, and there's, there's no going back. There's, there's a lot of pressure, you know, and, um, 
you know, the, the social discourse and dominant messages and media about um, going back, getting your body back, you know, returning to this really fit body. I think it's an incredible pressure on women and new moms because really our bodies, how can how can they go back? How can they be the same again after such um, an intense transformation? And so that's that's one thing. Our bodies change dramatically and and hormonally as well. There are a lot of hormones that, you know, a cocktail of hormones we're we're trying to negotiate as as new moms, and um, you know it can cause a lot of different emotions to surface. So if we, if that leads us into kind of the psychological transformation that happens. So, you know, you have these emotions you're trying to navigate, really big feelings that are surfacing, um, a new role and identity that we're trying to integrate um, into our, our day-to-day lives. And physically, we're no longer that person that um, we were before we had a baby. And all of this is happening and we don't often have language for it. It's just we're in survival mode trying, you know, to get a get a shower in or or to get a decent night's sleep. So I don't think these things are talked about enough ahead of time and, and women aren't prepared enough going into pregnancy and birth and new motherhood in ways that adequately support this um, identity shift and potential crisis that can occur. Right. And. You know, one of the things that I hear, like the, the one of the things that tends to be heard a lot um, about the postpartum period is that you end up losing yourself. Like moms feel, especially those who are having postpartum um, mood symptoms, yes. right? How mm. can new moms and in, in, in new parents prepare and prevent getting to that point. I think initially there is a little bit of a shift in losing who we thought we were or who we were at one point. And then this integration period of um, finding ourselves anew with with these new skills and powers and, and aspects of ourselves as mothers. One thing that's a practical thing that moms can do um, with their partners, families, or community is to create a postpartum plan. And this is a plan that can include, um, you know, plan around rest, plan around food, plan around, you know, when does mom get to shower? I mean, it, they seem like little things, but as a psychotherapist, I know whenever there's a big uh, transition, life transition, it's really vital that people get to rest and have ground, uh, just grounded practices in order to integrate that transition. And we know as new moms, we don't get a lot of time to to um, luxuriate in that integration time, but it's really key. It's really key in in trying to um, integrate this new identity with who we were before. So let's talk a little bit more about how in our cultural idea of motherhood, mm-hmm. how usually you're expected to put your needs and desires in the back burner or put others' needs ahead of yours. So it can be that when you're feeling like, ah, I don't want to be with my baby, like that give and take, then you get a whole set of, because you have this imposition of, but I should be this kind of mother, Mm. guilt comes along. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really great point. Um, 
because I think there, there are social pressures of how we should mother, you know, and, um, the reality is it can look so many different ways and it's really pretty messy, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's just, there are a lot of conflicting feelings. Um, it's a big adjustment period. Sometimes we love our baby. Sometimes we want to run away from our baby. Um, and for most people, it's really difficult to hold these um, conflicting realities at the same time. And so, you know, a lot of moms might think there's something wrong. Like, you know, I should be happy. Um, my baby's healthy. Why do I feel this way? It should feel different you know, we do a lot of should, shoulding, right? Like we're, we're shooting ourselves into a reality. Like it should look a look a certain way and feel a certain way. Um, and we're measuring it against these social, um, you know, representations that are just really limiting and inaccurate and, and unfair. Um, th- these social messages of how mothers should feel and behave and, um, and all the, you know, just all of those, um, ideas of how it should be. It's just a really painful setup for mothers to feel like they're failing. Um, when that's really not the case, it, it's just a really messy, emotional, complicated transition. Absolutely. No, you need to like take the time to integrate and be gentle with yourself. And I love how you said that it's a messy period. Like, Mm-hmm. This is a transition. You're in flux. It's going to be messy. You, like, you, yes. you can't transition without it being messy and finding mm-hmm. your new identity. So I think normalizing that and letting people know that, you know, just just try to be open and have some grace with whatever it's happening. Tell me if this sounds familiar. You've taken gorgeous photos of your baby or your kids, and then when you want to share them, it is a pain either trying to find the photos or figuring out the group text that they should go to, and then also remembering that, say, Aunt Helen only does email, so you need to send her image separately. Or like in my case, where my husband is a photographer who takes magnificent photos that I rarely actually get to see because they live on his phone or end up scattered in text messages that I can't easily find. Enter the Family Album app, which was created to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with your loved ones. Basically, it's a personal space for your family's memories without third-party ads or unwanted eyes and with a bunch of fabulous features. It automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and easily see how your child has grown. And you can also order eight photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. The Family Album app also has unlimited storage. Plus, it's totally free. Yup, no more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by third-party ads. So, to all the parents out there still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, level up your family photo game for free and securely with the Family Album photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, all in one word, and download the app to start creating your shared photo legacy. Diaper rash. It can be a truly uncomfortable experience for a baby. And so I find that one of the biggest conundrums when diapering is figuring out what diaper cream to use. 
So many options are thick and goopy, making them hard to apply and hard to wipe off. But I can personally say that this is not the case for Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant that is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, designed as a breathable formula to help maintain an optimal skin barrier while allowing the healing to occur. This butt balm was developed by a mom who is also a doctor, hence the name Dr. Mom Butt Balm, when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash, and she wasn't about to settle. So she created Dr. Mom Butt Balm to go on smooth and be easy to remove while also being gentle on your baby's delicate skin. With Dr. Mom Butt Balm, you can say goodbye to excessive wiping to clean your little one's already chafed skin. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is so soft and goes on so smooth that you'll only need a small amount instead of having to layer on a thick goop. Plus, it has a lovely minty scent. Learn more about Dr. Mom Butt Balm at drmombuttbalm.com. That's drmombuttbalm.com. Or look for it at Amazon.com. Let's talk a little bit about the the label of mother and mm-hmm. how, like, so up to the time you become a mother, that label is not yours. It is your mother, right? Mother yeah. was never you. It's your mom. Mm, good point. Right? Yeah. And then suddenly it's yours and you have to figure out how you put on that suit. Yes. So that like my question is twofold. Like, what do you do with that? And also, mm-hmm. how do you bring that in and integrate it and connect it and not lose your other labels uh, of, you know, a partner or an individual or a career person or, you know, a woman or even a sexy woman? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, fantastic. Fantastic question. Um, well, the first part of that I'll answer by saying I think it's so important for um, women who are planning to become pregnant or are pregnant to really do some exploration work around um, their own relationship to their mothers um, and even their own birth. You know, what What do mothers, um, you know, what, what are mother's self-care practices? Um, what does it mean to be a mother? Um, what does it, um, you know, mean to relate to a mother? Just, just some inquiry around how you hold that idea of mother um, in your mind and heart. So, um, so then that another exercise could be like, well, how do I want to show up as a mother, right? You ask yourself personally, you know, how, how do I want to mother my child, Um and, and what do I want that experience to look, feel like, and and be about? Um, so it, it's an interesting exercise to do just to kind of compare those different inquiries with one another. So, um, and I also want to add a third piece is that we also inherit this sort of collective understanding of what mother is, right? That's very specific to this day and age and culture. And that, you know, we also inherit baggage with that, Um and hopefully, you know, things will be changing and are changing in certain ways. But I think that was surprising to me, too. It's like, oh, right. Like, you know, there, you know, there's no paid maternity leave here in in, in America. And it, it's certainly not adequate. Um, whether we're aware of it or not, we're we're trying to integrate all of that 
um, between diaper changes and on little <laughs> sleep. And <laughs> um, so to add, to answer the second part of your question around how do we stay connected to these really, um, you know, beautiful parts of ourselves that aren't just a mother, right. Or aren't mothering only, you know, we're also, um, you know, we're also sisters and partners and friends and we have relationships to ourselves. We have interests, we have desires. Maybe we had a career before baby, or maybe we're still trying to negotiate career with baby. So all these other dimensions of, of who we can be as women, um, you know, there, we go through growing pains around that. We sure do. And, uh, and part of your question is how do we stay connected to those places? Um, you know, I think it initially at first to be compassionate and know that we might not, we might lose connection with some of those parts and, and that's okay momentarily and in time to trust that, you know, there will be a way that we can integrate those aspects of ourselves that still matter to us back into our day-to-day life. You know, some things will return, some things you'll be able to get back to like the gym. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Some things are gone forever and you should, you know, do what you need to do to mourn that and move Mm -hmm. on because Mm -hmm. otherwise you're just fighting the whole process. Mm, Yeah, it's so true. Well, I think, I think we do naturally let go of some things that don't serve us on the motherhood journey or the parenting journey. Um, And I, I think you're correct. And like, you know, we live in a, a highly individualistic society where, you know, it's, it's, it, it can be a lot of me, 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 iPhones, and it's about the individuals. I mean, I, I think about, you know, two key, um, sort of postures required to be a parent. One is sacrifice and one is devotion. And, and I remember becoming a parent and, and very surprised about the level of sacrifice and devotion to this little being in front of me and thinking like, wow, I haven't, I haven't really been on a path in my life or felt really adequately supported by the society to really drop into sacrifice and devotion. I mean, um, and and it's a tough transition when when we haven't been in that mode of practicing those in this culture of um, in this dominant culture, Western culture of, of practicing those things. Yeah. I mean, this idea that parenting requires sacrifice and devotion. Of course it does. If you're mm-hmm. a parent, you know this. Yes. But I don't think that I and I don't think a lot of people when they're thinking, oh, I'm going to have a baby and I'm going to be a mom and all these things ever think, oh, I am going to sacrifice so many things and be devoted absolutely to this kid. Like that concept of I am, you know, we don't say vows to our child of we do like in sickness of in health if we got married Mm. um, to to our partners, but we don't go like. In, we're mm. going to sacrifice and devote yes. to a little kid when we yes. become a mom. It's a like, great point. Oh, my goodness. Because yeah. if you, even though we, I do sacrifice and devote to my child, just the thought of having to sacrifice and devote to anything, just mm. like my body automatically clenches up like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, because I think there's this understanding that if we do that, that we lose ourselves. Mm-hmm. That somehow it's it's all about other, because I I don't think um, in the dominant discourse we're really shown how to stay with self, honor self, and show up for other enough. 
Mm-hmm. And it's that to me is the is the um, is the core the core practice of parenting. Um, is how do I show up for myself? How do I honor myself? And how do I show up for this this being in front of me? And the devotion and sacrifice. Um, well, just the devotion. The devotion is the love, right? And the sacrifice is okay. There are going to be times where I put my need to the side. But how do we do that? How do we skillfully put that need to the side, but not abandon ourselves completely? I think I think that's the the um, the society that we've grown up in. That's that polarity, right? It's it's them versus me. Do they get their needs or do I get my needs met? And that's that's what we come to, I think, as parents, which is incredibly unfortunate and painful because it's it's not a healthy way to parent. It's not a healthy way to live. Um, And inevitably, someone loses themselves in it. Right. You know, one in seven or more parents are having some symptoms of postpartum mood disorders, like where the system's not supporting. And so by just taking that step back and going, I am going to introspect. I'm going to integrate. I am going to pay attention and choose and know that sometimes I'll make mistakes. Often I'll make mistakes, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to pay attention, be mindful about what I'm doing because Mm -hmm. I am also modeling it for my child. Right. That's going to start making some big changes. I agree. I really do believe so. Yes. And, um, and I think in that process, it can get messier. Mm. And in that process, um, you know, the more awareness we bring to it, it also can become fodder to like beat ourselves up about how, well, we're not quite getting it, you know? So I think extra compassion in this process and this mindfulness, it's, it's been broken. It's been a broken system. And I think if that was held at a larger level, um, that that would trickle down and really communicate to women that, you know what, this is a difficult time. Mm. And, and we want to support you at a political government level. We care and we're going to provide resources during this time of transition. So it doesn't have to be put on mothers alone, that responsibility, like another thing to get, another yeah. thing to master, another thing on the things to do list to get perfect. Um, that it, uh, that it, there really needs to be this call to action for the larger collective at all these different um, socio-political levels to step up and really start taking better care of mothers and parents. Yeah. And what a hit to your identity in this shift that not only are, you know, the message that you're getting socially, culturally, politically, is Mm -hmm. that as you step into this role, your identity shifts to a devalued state. Yes, yes, exactly. Another tricky thing to negotiate um, in terms of identity is, you know, have a, a like a dominant culture that really supports independence. You have a life that really practices independence. And then all of a sudden, you have this little being that's incredibly dependent on you. And all these feelings internally of needing to depend on community, family, and even a larger um, political system. There's this de- need for dependence on that. And that's completely healthy, I think completely okay, but I think this is where we fail women, right? We don't, we don't and fail mothers specifically, we don't really get how much uh, support moms need. And so instead of going, okay, I'm feeling all of this like 
dependency stuff, which is tough for me to negotiate personally. And I turn around to see my community, family, and larger society holding for this dependence. And there are drops in the system. And that's where women uh, falter and feel unsupported and then start to blame themselves for that. Yeah. Like I must be doing something wrong. Yeah. This, I'm inadequate. this is about yeah. me. I'm inadequate. Yeah. Because what do we do with all those feels? Oof. Well, you know what? It's so important to let them come because any transformation or change in a larger collective or paradigm shift that I've witnessed is initiated by people that are getting pissed off, upset, and, and saying, this is not right. Something needs to shift here. So, you know, to let your upset come, to let your anger come, to have compassion, compassion for yourselves, to know that there's something larger happening here that isn't just about you being, quote unquote, a bad mom or not getting it. You know, um, so to sit with some of those feelings and to find a trusted friend, a counselor, talk to a family member about what's going on, join communities. There are so many fantastic communities now, um, whether it's online or in um, your community of, of like-minded women that, you know, I mean, sometimes this can happen in mom's groups, but my experience is with some mom's groups, things things can stay a little um, on the surface, but really find those community of moms that are willing to have those harder conversations and that welcome the grittiness and the messiness and some of those harder feelings um, around the motherhood journey. I, I want to officially tear down the concept of the superwoman that can yes. do it all and have it all because that is a trap that is letting us all down. Mm -hmm. So if you're out Absolutely. there listening and you think, oh, I'll just do this and, you know, I have my super career and I'll have a baby and everything. Will... No. So do yourself a favor and let go of that idea. Yeah. Oh, amen to that. Yeah. And I gladly join with you to just tear down that concept of superwoman. I, um, you know, because I'm all about um, mothers living their most empowered and expressed life. But I think that's very different than feeling like you've got to do it all and be it all. Um, and, and I, I think there's a, an incredible social pressure and an unrealistic standard that women should, should, um, you know, should do it all. And it's a painful, painful setup for burnout in moms. Can we also talk about this, the, another concept that is the, 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 just what you were talking about triggered in my brain is this mm -hmm. idea of the fantasy that we create mm -hmm. in our minds of what the mother we're going to be and the baby we're going to have and the life we're going to lead and mm -hmm. what happens when that matches, you know, when, when you actually have the baby and have mm -hmm. are in the, those first few weeks and months of motherhood and how that reality does not match up with your fantasy. Yeah, we're maybe dreaming for this experience of, of being a mother. And then when we get there and we arrive there, um, you know, the reality doesn't measure up to the fantasy. And, and there's inevitably an adjustment period that happens during that time. And I think for a lot of women, it can bring up grief. And I think that's totally natural and normal. Um, in any time we have an expectation or an idea of how something's going to be and then how the, it's actually met with reality, um, you know, we can grieve that fantasy or that idea of how it, it should be or we thought it should be. Um, and so just to be gentle with yourselves, to have a lot of compassion for that adjustment period, it may take 
a few weeks. It may take months. It may take years um, just to really um, be kind with and and um, allow yourself to have those moments of what you did dream or fantasize about to, to find new versions of it in, in the reality before you and to let all your feelings um, get a place at the table to be there as you transition into what is actually real before you. Mm, so much. Yeah. Because it, it is so hard. It is so hard to like just accept what you're going through mm-hmm. and not the idea like and, and step into that instead of <clears throat> fighting it and and try mm-hmm. to figure out how to live it and then you know improve it if there's things you don't like about it right yeah yeah and to know that you have agency in it that you know it might not measure up but this isn't uh, a reality necessarily that you just have to live with it in in a victim way like end of story but that how to find your agency in creating um, something that you are really fulfilled by with, you know, what you're given, um, and what the reality looks like Yeah, to work with it. Yeah. yeah. Sophie, one last question. How can this identity shift affect mm-hmm. your relationship? Because this isn't happening in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. It's not just you. Usually, no, you know, you have a partner that's in here, this with you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a, an important, uh, topic and, and in a really important thing to discuss with your partner, um, because that transition from two to three, it, it's really one of the most profound challenges a couple will ever face, I think, is, is letting their relationship grow to that, to that, you know, number three, because, you know, you have less time, you have less communication, you're on less sleep, you know, possibly less money or freedom, um, and less time to really cultivate the relationship that you have, um, and, and less privacy. And I think all of these things can be really taxing on a relationship. And especially when I think, um, you know, in this day and age, uh, North American parents feel, you know, they're bombarded with information. I think they're very overworked and potentially overwhelmed. Um, that, you know, it really takes time. It takes time to adjust to these these new roles and these new identities in your family and to welcome in this little this little baby, um, you know, and to and to find what the family, how the family uh, rhythm is and and what it feels like to be this family of three. <clears throat> and it does take time. It can take weeks and months and sometimes years just to find your your bearings again. Um, and uh, and, you know, parent parenthood in general, it's, it's this real emphasis on routine, predictability and regularity, which initially can be a bit of a, an intimacy killer with parents, right? Um, those things, those, that, that kind of routine predictability and regularity doesn't necessarily set couples up for that sparkly romantic connection. Um, so just to be again, kind and gentle with that transition to, to try to have as much communication with your partner as possible about some of the struggles or challenges that might be coming up. Um, and also becoming new parents or first time parents, I think it can bring up a lot of, um, emotional triggers in, in a relationship because, you know, both partners have a way of, of, or an understanding of what it means to be a mom and what it means to be a dad. And again, that might not be an accurate match with, with how your partner is showing up. So I think that can stir up potential feelings and triggers from the past or even your own experience in your, in your family of origin. 
So again, just a lot of different uh, challenges to navigate with your partner. And it can also be a time um, of incredible celebration and beauty and, and bonding with a partner as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And we don't want to be like, hey, your identity shift, check it out. You're screwed now. You're a parent. Right. Welcome. Right. <laughs> Welcome to eternal sacrifice and devotion. Yeah. <laughs> right? But but right. I think the more you even know that this is going to happen, then you can prepare mm -hmm. for it, be ready, and, and join up as a team with your partner yes. to yes. move forward through what you're going through and, you know, like really make it so that it brings you closer together. Right. It's it's the whole information is power. I think yes. that's the point of the podcast episode here is that we just want to give a lot of information and give people the heads up because, you know, I think we were both moms were like, why didn't anyone tell us, you know? Right. And so I think to me, this is um, an answer to that call. You've been listening to a Best of Birthful episode. To listen to the original longer version of this episode, click on the link in the show notes. And there are many more where this came from. Look for episodes with the words Best of Birthful in the title to continue your deep dive to inform your intuition. You can find the in-depth show notes for this episode at birthful.com. You can also connect with us directly on Instagram. We're at Birthful Podcast. Birthful was created by me, Adriana Lozada, and is a production of Lantigua Williams & Co. The show's senior producer is Paulina Velasco. Virginia Lora is the managing producer. Cedric Wilson is our lead producer. Ali Kiltz contributed to the production of the Best of Birthful series. Thank you for listening to and sharing Birthful. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and everywhere you listen. Come back every week for more ways to inform your intuition. Hey, Mighty One, did you know that if you started listening to one birthful episode per day at the start of your pregnancy, your baby would be about three months old before you got through all of them? That is so much birthful. So to ease us into the summer and to help you catch up on your listening, we're going back to releasing one episode per week instead of two. Now you know.